0: It takes more than sitting in a private Slack channel huddle on your own just to look busy to be a great engineer. This is Soft Skills Engineering episode 387. I'm your host, Dave Smith. I'm your host, Jameson Dance. Soft Skills Engineering is a weekly advice podcast for software developers who are trying to be productive working from home, but also want to make sure they never look like they're not working working from home. (laughs) I'm never not working,
1: the working from home story. yes (laughs) coming
0: to theaters next year (laughs) yeah
1: that's funny because that's both that's a failure mode in both ways you can actually never not be working if you work from home and then there's also this suspicion of what if they're not working what if they're doing their laundry (laughs) yeah yeah that's what the private slack channel is for that's right I wonder, can you change your status icon? Because you have status icons in Slack. Can you change that to the headphones Then it just looks like you're in a huddle?
0: Uh, I bet you can.
1: <laughs> well, I'm going to thank our wonderful patrons, the folks that support this show to the outrageous level that we shout them out every week. <laughs> thank you to Chase W. Norton, typehero.dev, never is not just a crater on Mars. I like chicken, I like liver, meowmix, meowmix, please deliver. Trash Panda, thecomputersciencebook.com, Valentina Datafold, Santa Hope Art, Kent C. Dodds, Jenny Kim, Owen Sharto, Craig Motlin, The Stochastic Parrot, Patreon.com, We're Hiring, Ira Chan, Monkey Face Emoji, Jonathan King, Web Tao, Awesome End to End Testing, Will Angel, Ragnar, Travis, Braden Keynes, John Grant, The Unsettling Nature of Not Knowing, and Nick Cantar. Thank you so much to all these people who support us. And if you want to join them, you can go to softskills.audio, click Support Us on Patreon, and then follow their finely tuned conversion funnel to, to convert.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: And join the beautiful people
0: that are just so beautiful.
1: Yep. And become more so by donating. Just, I don't, I can't explain it. It just happens.
0: It is amazing the number of people who have commented on the beauty of our (laughs) Slack community.
1: Forget those Korean skincare routines. The true secret is, actually, if you watched our YouTube videos, you know that well, no, I don't donate to our... Maybe that's why my skin yeah. could use some work because I I've don't been thinking about to our Patreon.
0: Yeah, I've been thinking I need to donate.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, we better ask and answer some questions. <laughs> do you want to read All our right. first one, Dave?
0: Yes, I do. This comes from an anonymous listener who says, Hello, Dave and Jameson. I just want to say thank you for your podcast. It's been a great wealth of information and comic relief. Can we bring back the guitar intros? Oh, there's a deep cut. Oh, I did play
1: guitar yesterday. I did my once a year. We have a family Christmas party. And that was also the last time I played last year. So I'm fresh. It's been only one day (laughs) instead of 364 days since I last played guitar.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah. I don't even remember which episode that was, but I'm pretty sure it was double digits. Yeah. Long time ago. Okay, let me continue. I work in the technology arm of a large corporation. There are no younger engineers. I am one of the youngest at at just shy of 30, my first tech job after going back to school. I receive praise for my eagerness to learn and grow and how much I try to engage with the org. I feel like if we hired more junior engineers, it would both increase the engagement of the org and give senior engineers more of a sense of purpose to pass the torch. One of my favorite engineers, from whom I get the best advice, has been here for over 20 years, and they are awesome. I also get great advice from people on my team, but some some of them are cruising or quote in a couple years till retirement mode <laughs> should I try to convince management to hire more junior engineers is there anything I can do to relate more to older org members
1: hmm. this is so interesting because at my first full-time job 30 would have been by far the oldest person oh, yeah. on the engineering team <laughs> times times change young, young is relative
0: Maybe these people are actually those same people you worked with and now they're all close to retirement. That's,
1: yeah, just like me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like, like the, yeah. Co- cruising ah. in a
1: couple years till retirement mode.
0: Couple dozen years to retirement.
1: <laughs> I mean theoretically, isn't that the pitch for working at a startup and getting equity? Is like you're actually only a couple years till retirement because this is gonna go huge and then it's gonna be worth a ton, and then you
0: can Yeah. You can you can chill. You can chill with your twenty thousand dollar payout from your stock options. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, you can retire hmm. from your car payment for one year. <laughs> <laughs> you can buy part of a Honda Civic. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> uh, it's, it's all yeah, worth so it. I mean, should you bring junior engineers into you know it's interesting because you Jameson, you're saying that I guess your company w- was composed of nothing but junior engineers, and I mean, we,
1: we did not think of ourselves. We were we were oh. arrogant, arrogant well, were, prodigies.
0: <laughs> yes, you were elite. <laughs> engineers. Yes, I had the I had a similar experience. One of my first jobs out of college, which I was at for seven years, and we hired almost exclusively new hire, meaning new to the industry hires, like new grads. Jun- I guess you would call them junior engineers. The name never even occurred to us. Mm-hmm. And boy, was it a magical, wonderful time. We had a couple of older, you know, more experienced people in the office who were kind of guiding and directing and, you know, interfacing with the customer and kind of being the the adult supervision in the room. But everyone else was like less than five years of experience, less than 10 years of experience. And we just did fantastic work. And and boy was it fun. So I'm thinking like, let's just pitch to management to let go of all the more experienced people and replace them with twice you know, as many people that know how everything works yeah. let them all go create a squad of elite prodigies yes who, who are just inexperienced enough to know how bad of an idea this is or to not know so they don't know and then just run it, put them to work
1: You yeah know everyone that's older is always wrong about stuff
0: <laughs>
1: good thing we're here to be right about stuff
0: yeah and there's twice as many of us <laughs> because you can afford that many. <laughs>
1: yeah, this is this is interesting because I think I've gone on the record saying I love working with a, a mix of experience levels on a team because there is some excitement and enthusiasm that comes from folks earlier in their career that are still learning. Yeah, there's there's way more. They I don't know. Actually, I am about to say lies. I was going to say there's way more they don't know than that they know, but that's true about everybody. But like, they're so conscious of how much there is to learn and are excited about it and diving into new things. And But it's very common to work at places that say we only hire senior engineers because mm-hmm. we don't want to deal with the headache and the overhead of like training. And, and we, we just want people that know how to get the work done. And we don't want to worry about teaching anyone how to do the work. Mm-hmm. And I do think there's, you can certainly hire junior engineers that need a ton of handholding and are are quite long bets to pay off productivity wise. But you can also hire people that are very junior, but are very good at pulling in the information they need and, and might not require as much handholding, but still bring all that energy and excitement and enthusiasm. So I guess I'm kind of like agreeing with you and disagreeing with management a little bit. It also depends on the size of your company. If you have like three engineers, and then you hire a junior, then a quarter of your engineering team is junior, and maybe that's the wrong ratio for you. Maybe you want a more senior team overall. But it sounds like this is a big company, lots of engineers, and you should be able to absorb some excitement and enthusiasm and cheaper salaries.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's how you pitch it to management. Yep. My my advice has always been, do hire whatever level I happen to be at the time. <laughs> and it's so weird because when I was, um, you know, when I was inexperienced and fresh out of college and getting started, I was always pushing. Well, of course we should hire new grads. They're the best. They know what they're doing. <laughs> they're high energy. I mean, look at all these people. We're so successful. And now, now that they I'm haven't literally... learned any
1: bad habits, they've yeah. <laughs> only learned the good stuff so yeah. far.
0: Only good stuff. And now that I'm literally twenty years displaced from that time i'm mm-hmm. like you should only hire really seasoned experienced <laughs> engineers i would rather have two experienced engineers than five junior engineers
1: and i would rather pay my experienced engineers several times as much as the what i would pay <laughs> yes. the junior engineers <laughs> exactly and shower them with praises and yes head pats and all kinds of good stuff
0: <laughs> Uh, it is weird how my advice has evolved like that because now I I really do I look back on those times when I was fresh out of school, and I think that was such a fluke that will never I could never replicate that that'll never work again. <laughs> hmm. But I don't think that's right. I I just I I can't believe that numerically that, that we just got that we were just this one in a million chance and yeah. had all this success because we literally hired like fifty so somewhere like twenty five to fifty software engineers out of college and just had enormous. Success at that company, but I don't even know if we did things well because as I look back, and I and I think yeah, about how, how the, would you know? Yeah, It exactly. was the best. It was
1: the most successful software company you've ever been at yeah. at that time.
0: I think at the end of the day, what I really know objectively is I had a ton of fun. <laughs> <laughs> did we deliver our products like as fast as we could have with a more senior team? I don't know. Did we have good solid architectural guidance and good principles good software development principles? I don't know. But boy, did we have a lot of fun.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I do love the the focus on eagerness to learn and engage with the org. And one of the things that comes with experience can be a certain amount of cynicism, which you may have identified as cruising or a couple <laughs> years till retirement mode. Yeah. And if you've seen enough like mind-bending new vision presentations from a new senior management hire you're going to kind of like they're going to kind of lump together you know (laughs) it's going (laughs) to get tough to, to rally the troops and get pumped about this new move to the cloud or whatever the thing is that that they're super excited about but juniors are more easily pumped by that because they haven't they haven't bumped up against the dissonance between reality and and eloquent speeches in company meetings yet as much (laughs) so there's there's some of that that it can bring more excitement and enthusiasm and you can also rush headlong into dumb things more easily yeah is that true i don't know i maybe i i think if you're more experienced you you i'm trying this out i'm doing the thing where i say something and see if i feel like it's true after i said it maybe you you fail more by avoiding rushing into things and and so you miss out by being overly cautious more but you're unlikely to just like go all in on some brand new thing as as recklessly that might turn out well or might be a failure cuz you you've you've learned caution does that feel true
0: i mean it it feels like it should be true like you know as a senior more experienced developer i don't make some of the bad decisions that ultimately have a multiplicative effect on the lack on productivity loss. You know, it's one thing to say, well, I showed up at a job and I'm doing my job and I'm a junior engineer and I made a bunch of mistakes and whatever and it was just my time wasted. But it's another thing entirely when a more senior influential engineer makes a bad decision and then 10 developers go down the wrong path as a result and they have yeah. to backtrack.
1: But there's some amount of risk aversion involved in that and, and so maybe you don't make some of the good decisions. You kind of smooth out a little bit lower... Lower lows and lower highs. Also, I don't know. I guess I'm I'm still making the same argument though. I don't know. I'm agreeing with you, and you already agree. That's why you wrote this question. How do you do it?
0: I well, how do you actually come and get the the recruitment process going to bring in junior engineers? Yeah. Well, like this is one of the easiest management cells ever. (laughs) You know, it's like, hey, well, okay. So first of all, you need to identify a need that is going to be filled by your proposed strategy of hiring younger developers, and you know one such need is look we've got a, we've got a few engineers who are on the last few years until retirement and if we don't have a strategy to replace them now we're going to replace them with people who are who don't have time to ramp up yeah. and given given that we know this is coming let's let's backfill them with people who are inexpensive relative to their salaries and get them ramping now so that they can have the benefit of rubbing shoulders with these people before they exit the building
1: that sounds like a great wise and and kind of benevolent strategy. I have a different strategy, which is you know how you get promoted at big companies based on the number of people that report to you? What if uh, yeah. you could have more people that report it to you for less money,
0: Ooh. and then does this strategy involve letting some people go?
1: Well, okay, I guess if you you could. I'm just more imagining like you have some fixed amount of budget for, for headcount to, to ah, hire. Yes. And what if, yes. what if that's more people? So number go up and then... Yes.
0: So you go to management and say, you can make your number go up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which... I could work. does unfortunately motivate behavior at some places. Yes.
0: Although I think that that... that um, so this, this was something I observed when I worked at a big tech co as well. I believe that that meme or that pattern has actually fallen out of favor over the. last Oh yeah, season. number
1: number do not go up as much now. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> number go down. Number number go down. <laughs> or it's a
0: different number go up because yeah, you know it's like revenue go up, headcount go down. <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah, margins go up. <laughs> yeah, I think that that makes a lot of sense. I, I love what you said about identifying a need because there. If you say listen I'm lonely because I'm the youngest person here by far they will not that is not a convincing business case cuz it is not it's not yeah. <laughs> their job to provide you companionship yeah. at work that is similar to your own age <laughs> But yeah I think if you can if you can identify do you have some big new project coming up do you have do you do you see There's all these engineers that could be even more efficient because they're very experienced and could be if if they have more folks to dispense their wisdom to, then maybe that's that's a better use of their time somehow. Something something positive for the company.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of ways to do this. You can also say, look, there's just natural attrition that happens. The next time there's attrition, can we please replace them with more junior developers and then make your business case? And I think your sound business case is just a few bullets here. One is we can reduce costs on the salaries. Two, we can we can have a more engaged workforce, both from our senior and junior developers. And three, you have to have a third bullet because every, use case, or every business case looks better with three bullets.
1: <laughs> that one's up to you.
0: Yeah. <laughs> we don't want to completely disengage you from this process. It is
1: I love what you said about a more engaged senior engineering group as well because it is it is exciting to be around people that are really excited. It's it's fun. It's fun to look at software with fresh new eyes and and you kind of re realize how cool all this stuff is or you can if you're helping someone else understand it. All mm-hmm. right, have we answered the question?
0: I think so. Good luck on your great adventure, your great business influencing strategy process here.
1: Actually, I have great news, which is if you wait long enough, this problem will go away because (laughs) you will become more senior. And then you'll be surrounded by people. And then you'll be like, we should not hire junior developers. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Should I read our next question, Dave? Go for it. This is from an anonymous listener who says, hi, Dave and Jameson. I'm an engineering manager tasked with getting the team back to an open office hybrid. My team works very well remotely with an occasional in-person meetup. I believe that in terms of productivity, work-life balance, engagement, and turnover, return to office will negatively impact the team. I'm torn between what representing what I feel is good for the team and supporting the company's decision. I've already expressed my concerns with management, and the overall sentiment seems to be that anyone who doesn't like it can find a new job. Aside from this, I like my job, team, and company and don't want to quit over this. Any tips on finding a balance representing team needs and implementing higher-up direction?
0: Ah, yes. This is becoming a more and more common theme that I hear. The theme is return to office or find a new job, which employers are empowered to do by a hiring market that is finally... Favorable to employers and not employees for the first time in approximately 20 years in software engineering.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot easier to say, you don't like it, pack up when you're not as worried about them packing up.
0: Yeah, exactly. And let me just tell you right now, packing up and finding a new job, not easy, not easy at all, even for an experienced engineer.
1: Anecdotally, I am hiring, and it's the first time I've been hiring since. The bottom is, I don't know, bottom has fallen out. It's too dramatic. But since the market has shifted for software engineering and we haven't finished it yet, so I guess it's still time to, to tell how it'll turn out. But it seems so far like there's much more inbound interest from much more oh, yeah. quality folks. And and I'm spending a lot less time actively begging people to, <laughs> to apply.
0: Yes, <laughs> exactly. So yeah, it is like this threat of... Uh, go find a new job. It's very real and very motivating. Rough. Okay. So how? what do you do if your managers above you, you're a team manager and your managers are telling you company policies, return to office. It says hybrid, so I'm assuming it's not every day of the week, mm-hmm. but you got to return to office regularly. How do you do that if you don't actually believe in it?
1: This is an interesting thing that comes up in engineering management more so than as an IC. And I, I I saw this thing from Charity Majors. I feel like she's one of the people we quote a lot on the podcast. I can't remember the source, but I remember she said it about this difference between IC and management, where if a company does something you think is dumb and horrible as an IC, you can kind of like roll your eyes at it and drag your feet and ignore it. And I don't know, just pretend like, like you can grumble about it and, and sort of be against the company on it and still just do your mm-hmm. job. And mm-hmm. that's much harder to do as a manager because part of your job is representing the company to other people. Yes. <laughs> so it's a lot harder to say like, oh boy, I know we all hate this policy, but I'm judging your performance and <laughs> can impact your salary based on whether you comply to it or not. And yeah. it sort of undermines, like, it's it's a, it can be a mistake to say... Uh, oof! I don't like it, but we got to do this thing and I'm going to make you all do it, you know, and position yourself as like, I'm kind of on your side, but I'm yeah. actually not on your side. Cause I'm That's still like going to make Michael you do this Scott, thing. Yeah. The Michael
0: Scott approach to management.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like, Oh, doesn't it suck that you're going to do this thing I tell you to do?
0: Yeah. We're together in this, uh, even though I'm force, I'm the one forcing you to do it. <laughs> yeah.
1: So it is, this is a lot tougher. If you're an IC, it's a lot easier to just grumble about it and, Remember that question we had a few months ago that was somebody who just said, "Oh yeah, I'll come in," and then they just never And then just didn't. <laughs> yeah, that's way easier to do as an IC than to do with yes. your whole team. <laughs> 100%. Yeah,
0: it's really hard. I mean, I guess you're going to you're going to have to decide how much you're able to change your mind on this policy because or how much you're willing to be a two-faced like a two-faced liar about your true beliefs, you know, because there's kind of, I found there's not really a lot of room in between here. If you start undermining your company's leadership by saying, I don't support this policy, but I'm doing it because I'm being forced. That is probably ultimately going to leave you with another company because I I just, there's only so long that management will tolerate that kind of foot soldier in their management hierarchy. I mean, it is
1: easier to do the, I guess the, the, lower down in the in the
0: is it i don't know maybe it's not you could probably get away with it as a just a single team manager not not a director level you know yeah you could probably get away but if management finds out that you are infecting your team with this mind virus that you don't support the policies of the company if you if you consider a company like an organism their immune system will come after you (laughs) to protect the the overall organization yeah Eventually, one way or another, like that's just not going to work out well because you are not a functioning organ in the body and you need to be ejected. Yeah. I'm not saying that's how I would go about it in my organization, but I'm saying that that is ultimately what's going to happen. And and maybe for this policy, it's OK. Maybe there's another one that stacks up against you and then it, that's the feather that, you know, the, the straw that breaks the camel's back. Yeah. I don't know. But it's tough. So, I mean, one, one way that you can deal with this is you could say. I actually am going to change my mind about the, about return to office. You know, give it, give it an honest look and see if you can come to a place where you simultaneously believe in management's direction and feel that it's better for your team and for you. And I got to say, there are some pretty compelling arguments for it. Now, we, we've said hybrid here, and I, I actually think it's pretty hard to argue against a hybrid in-office situation for the most part. Like, it's teams really do function better when they have some in-person time. Now, this this person said they already have some occasional in-person time. So maybe maybe the, the argument here is that that's enough. And maybe that's what you take back to leadership to say, look, here's the policy that I think would be best. It's not once a week. It's once every three weeks or something like that.
1: Mm-hmm. Maybe what you could do. So maybe if you have some kind of aggregate number you're trying to hit, like... The team needs to be on average in office once a week. Then you need to identify some sacrificial individuals on your team who will come in every day, and then no one else comes in ever. And you maintain that aggregate. Mm -hmm. We are on average in office once a week because so-and-so comes in every day because they live next to the office.
0: (laughs) Um, it's a numbers game. Yes. <laughs> yes. I there is on average someone in the office once a week. Yeah. I'm having a tough time
1: removing my personal preference from this and answering it as is because I I think I would be in the same position of like kind of rolling my eyes at the mandate to return to the office. What would I do? Return to office will negatively impact the team. So it sounds like you've already expressed concerns to management. Anyone who doesn't like it can find a new job. I mean, maybe I would try again to point out here are the specific people that are, I believe are likely to quit if we if we make them come back to the office and and so make the uh, if if the concern is a general like my team will be less happy versus we will lose these four engineers on the team, that might be easier to weigh against. But I do think the likelihood if if they're pushing this hard, it's unlikely that they will decree okay, you get a special exception because probably you're not alone. I'm sure there are other managers in a similar boat who feel like this kind of sucks and is going to hurt my team. And it's sort of like a, if you give them a cookie situation where Mm -hmm. they start giving out exceptions, then suddenly everyone has a special exception and then they're not returning to office and they have some reason for wanting to do it. So they they actually want that to happen. I, I do think, I like your suggestion, Dave. Another suggestion is just like, See how? I, I mean, it, it depends on how deceptive you have to be <laughs> to not comply with this. Like, is there like a report you have to fill out? Or are they? Is someone going to walk around and check? Are they going to ask you? Or are they just going to say, "Hey, make sure you're emphasizing return to office," and you can say, "Like, yep, I did it. It's it's emphasized. Why do I <laughs> emphasize it?" <laughs> yes. Back to work. Because I agree that if you are actively Disobeying, that will stick out more and will cause you problems. And and at some point, if someone asks you to do a thing and they pay you money and you say no, then they will not pay you money to do that thing anymore.
0: Yep. Ugh. I think the fact that this team is already coming in person into the office occasionally makes this a lot easier than well, any other kind so of situation. So it says the
1: occasional in-person meetup. I wonder if it's the situation where some people moved oh. away... Or yeah, you know, like okay. sort of the assumption that oh, we're remote forever, and now, like I've yeah. heard of companies saying, okay, you have to live near an office again.
0: Yeah, you might be right. I was I, I was assuming here that the occasional in-person meetup meant that they were getting together and not having to fly in and get a hotel. You know. Yeah. Yeah. That make, that's what and that's the point I wanted to make is that that makes it much more complicated. Like I have a good friend who actually joined a, one of these big tech companies before the pandemic as a remote employee. Mm-hmm. And now the post-pandemic policies are everyone returns to office and they're just casting a huge net yeah. and not giving any latitude for people who actually joined pre-pandemic and were already remote. And now this person is left going, oh crap, there is no office near me. Yeah, you know, And I'm not going to uproot my family and move across the country to go work this job. So what do I do? And they're basically saying, well, it's actually really scary because basically it's like you're insubordinate if you don't come to an office <laughs> by X date. And that means that we're gonna terminate you without and you won't be eligible for severance. Oh no. It's like the worst kind of layoff because Yeah. It's like you're gonna be fired with cause. It's like, well, you just didn't show up to work. Yeah. You know, it's like it's like no one on my team lives in this city. Yeah. <laughs> like, what am I supposed to do? Ah. Anyway, this is a really tricky situation, but it's like like so many things with the pandemic, we made a bunch of changes. And at the time, most of them were actually really favorable for software developers. Yeah, you know, at least for people who like to work remotely, which is a lot of software developers. And now we're having to pay the piper back a little bit. And and I believe we're never going to go back to full in office. Like I think that we will have forever more. Software engineers will have a more flexible hybrid approach. Mm-hmm. But now you're being pulled back. <sighs> Oof! If your team is already in person, I'm like, look, just suck it up and. Sorry, I didn't mean to say in person. I meant to say if your team is already in the area and you're talking about bringing them back say once a week. I'm like, look, this is not this is not a hill I would be worth that I would be willing to die on with my career, reputation and job at this company. I would just bring it bring them in. If you're going to have to disrupt a bunch of lives, I would oh, man, I mean I'd probably go to leadership and just be like, "Hey, look, here's the situation. I've got 7 people who are going to have to relocate their families for this. Like, are you sure you want to make them do that? Yeah. You know, and just get it there. And then, and then I think you probably could play the, the Michael Scott role a little bit here and say, look, I'm on your side. I don't want to force you to do this, but this is company policy. I've fought for you as best I can. They've said, no, I'm sorry. You're going to have to be in person once a week. You know, if you can make that work great, I'd love to have you stay on the team. And if you can't, this management team is going to let you go, yeah. you know? And I think that kind of, that kind of keep that skirts the, I don't know. It kind of lets you keep one foot on both sides of the fence of I'm a corporate salary man who just does what I'm told. And I enforce policy on you, but sheesh, do I feel bad about it? Yeah, but right. Exactly. (laughs) But it's like, this is out of my hands. And at the end of the day, everyone knows that there are certain things that are out of your hands. And so, yeah, uh,
1: I'm thinking about what you said at the beginning about, some of the benefits of it. And I'm wondering if you can, if it's like a once a week, everybody comes in on the same day, you can make that a different type of working day than normal. Like you you can do things when everyone is in person that you would not be able to do alone. So why don't you just only do those things that day? You know, like go out to lunch together, do a bunch of whiteboarding, kind of like exciting brainstorming stuff, you know, like the, the fun kind of high energy, rapid back and forth stuff that, yes, that, in person is really good at.
0: This is why I'm a fan of hybrid approaches and why for my teams, I'm only hiring in nexuses where we already have people, you know, who they can actually get together regularly. Because I find that once a week is a fantastic in person cadence for engineering teams. Mm-hmm. There's so much. I come into the office that one day a week when my team is all together in person and there is so much collaboration so much in person just back and forth like and a lot of relationship building you know i see people actually connecting with people and i think that's also really valuable for a team so that's kind of where i just you know not that anyone asks, but that's kind of where i fall yeah on the opinion of of in person versus remote
1: yeah well have we answered the question
0: i think so good luck i would love to hear how this turns out this is very very pertinent to the moment
1: yeah A lot of people in that situation. Best of luck. Tricky, tricky spot. Dave, what can people do if they want their own questions answered?
0: Go over to softskills.audio and click click the ask a question. Well, I just merged click and ask and realized we need a new verb in English. It's a clisk. It's the clisk the ask a question button. Yes. Wait. Click the button. It's already implied that you're going to ask a question. So yeah, go over to softskills.audio and click, where you can <laughs> fill out our form, and we'll tell you. Uh, you can tell us any amount of detail you want, or as or as little as you want, and and boy, I'm just super off my groove right now because of the clisk verb. Like you just, you can't invent a verb and be smooth for the rest of the sentence. But oh no, <laughs> your,
1: your mind is awash with possibilities.
0: <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, we want to say thank you to those of you that have filled out that form every week. We love reading your questions. And please take a moment, if we have answered one of your questions on the show, use that same form to clisk and tell us <laughs> how we did on our advice.
1: Now, it's not clisking
0: yeah now it's what is it like cleedback?
1: back yeah cleedback. back <laughs> yeah look how much more efficient we can make this language
0: we're basically the shakespeare of user interface terms
1: yeah or the 1984 <laughs> one or the other yes, exactly all right thank you for listening we'll catch you next week